Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Do you know who Simone Biles is? World's greatest gymnast? Sure. She's got a new move that she uh, she invented. Several of her moves are so difficult they've been named after. Her latest is uh, is called the Yurchenko Double Pike. I'm going to make that my goal this year. I'm going to learn yes. to do the Uchenko double pike, whatever it is, and then perform it Yeah, on a trampoline or something. I'm fairly, I love it. I'm fairly certain she's so good at gymnastics, she's done moves that they have banned. They're like, no. And that's that's too dangerous. To do that. <laughs> but, Jack, if you're not getting stronger, you're getting weaker at this age. So I encourage you in this quest, which will surely end up with you in traction. In this particular move of hers, the Yurchenko double pike gravity seems to have been taken by surprise. <laughs> They claim. Ah, right. Okay. <laughs> she springs way up in the air. Why don't you just do a saying. handstand or a cartwheel or something? And we all say, yeah, it's pretty good. We've, we've asked the question, what's the Olympic event that you would be the least humiliated in? And it would probably be like a 100-yard dash, because I'd lose sure. by 25, 30 yards. That's but... how we ended up with me running the 100-yard, the 100 meters. Is, ah, yeah. yeah. Because yeah. I could do that. I would lose by a lot, but I could do it. Well, and a lot is like from here to, you know, that wall over there yeah. in a 100-yard dash. Yeah. So, but the, the the event that you'd most likely to be killed, it's got to be the vaulting, right? Vaulting. Maybe ski jumping? Oh, oh ski jumping is the last thing. Zero by far. Pole that vault? I, want to... I would be terrified to try. Yeah, but I don't not... think I'd get eight feet off the ground. No, but I'm not going to die. <laughs> I, true. I, I'm going to die trying to ski jump. I think I could Or just in... the men's downhill. I'm not even sure I could just... Like hang onto the snow and slide down on my butt without dying. I can on that pizza thing. wedge it down down the whole way. Do do the little pizza slice with your skis and you're good enough to do that because it's steep. I might have to do this steep. I'd scoot it, down on my butt for a little bit. You would plunge down on your butt, then your head, then your butt, then your head, then your butt, then what used to be your head. Anyway, moving along. So I talked about this on Friday, and the reason I bring it up is it's going to uh, come up in conversation because I talk about my personal life a fair amount on this here radio show, and it won't make any sense if I if I don't mention this first. Um, I'm getting a divorce. Uh, I'm very uh, unhappy about this, and uh, I have to be careful talking about it, or I will start crying, and nobody wants to listen to that. I also have to be careful talking about it in that while I am willing to share every aspect of my personal life with any any stranger I meet, uh, for whatever reason, that's just the way I'm built, um, and would be happy to talk about anything going on in my life, people who are in relationships with me, whether it's my wife or my kids, did not sign up for that. So I, uh, you know, I, I keep that in mind at all times. But I am going through divorce, and it has been uh, a very, very long couple of weeks. Uh, I'll just read a couple. Got uh, uh, oh, one of the reasons I brought this up is we got a gazillion texts. Like I don't remember the last time we got this many long texts from people. And I'll just read piles a of, them. of emails as well. By the way, uh, just listened uh, to hour four from the podcast the other day, and like other listeners, I was stopped in my tracks when Jack spoke, Jack spoke about his situation. I feel terribly for you and the family. Hanging there, Jack, wishing the best for you. Somehow, I'm more sad that when I, about this than when I found out my close friend and his wife were splitting. Goes to show how terrific your show is and how personable the whole crew uh, is. So appreciate that about uh, this radio show and everybody on it. Also, this one, Jack. I think we all knew when you told the story about eating the pie in the car that something horrible had happened in your life. Bunch of people picked up on that. So yeah. a week or so ago, I told about sitting in my truck and eating half of a pie from the grocery store or the or it's costco i ate a half a costco pie sitting in my truck and a bunch of people picked up on what was going on there 
I thought that's really interesting. Yeah. I wouldn't have picked up on that. I don't think. Uh, I'm so sorry to hear about praying for you and uh, the whole family. Uh, and then a bunch of nice stuff after that. But people who, who grasp, hmm, eating a pie in your truck, something has come off the rails there. Yeah, it, it has a certain feel to it. I thought, it has the vibe of not just a guy who's hungry for pie. Right. Yeah. Uh, I thought this was interesting. Jack, five years ago, my hubby and I started seeing this guy to help us guide our kids through our divorce. I didn't know there were people who did that. We were more than done with our marriage beyond repair. No one could have predicted how he cut to the core problem of our marriage. It was incredibly difficult and painful, but he miraculously saved our marriage, even though we didn't want to want to or expected that. We've never felt so close and connected, and our beautiful family is intact, and they're so happy to be healed. Holy cow. That's really interesting. I don't know what... Um, that is not going to happen in my case. I didn't mention it for that reason, but I just I didn't know there were people like that that existed taking on that, trying to cut to the core of your problems and fix it. Well, yeah, there are quite a few counselors in the world who are crackpots, in my opinion. Oh, hmm, yeah. It sounds like that may be a really gifted one. But so... Uh, I'm working up to something that I think will be interesting to everybody. Um, this has been by far the most painful thing I've ever dealt with for the last several weeks. I don't know if it's because of what uh, the emphasis I put on family. I wanted my kids to grow up the way I grew up, and they're not going to. And that is as heartbreaking to me as anything possibly could be. Um, I've had people say, well, you went through cancer. That's a bigger deal than this. Maybe it is for you. It isn't for me. It's not even close. When I found out I had cancer and going through that, this isn't even, that wasn't even a tenth of the direction uh, of the pain of this for me. So, uh, but I have gotten a gazillion texts from people talking about, oh yeah, it is like you've had an arm cut off or several deaths in your family or whatever. So, you know, for some people it is a big deal, but I've had, it's amazing to me how many times this has come up. So do you remember a couple of weeks ago when I brought you the information? Maybe you're smart and you already knew it. I didn't know it. When I brought you all the information that the famous Robert Frost poem, The Road Not Taken, is the opposite of the way it's used all the time. There have been thousands, this is documented, thousands of graduation speeches in which they quote The Road Not Taken and say, and I took the path less traveled and has made all the difference. The point of the poem is it doesn't make any difference which path you take. But everybody <laughs> takes it as I did the bold, courageous thing, and that's how I was successful. Yay! Right. And right. so it's the exact opposite. I felt the same way when I found out this. So many people in the last couple of weeks have brought up the stages of grief. You've heard before also that um, uh, a divorce has all the characteristics of a death, and I... Phew, I, you know, I've never dealt with any death that's even close to this either. Maybe someday I will. I hope I don't. But um, the, 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 the stages of grief. In fact, uh, 2019 was the 50th anniversary of the famous book on death and dying that featured the Kubler-Ross model for the five stages of grief. That book has been around for 50 years. It has been translated into 41 languages and has sold 8 quintillion copies. Mm. And people still reference the stages of grief all the time. Like I said, I've had it referenced to me, I don't know how many times in the last several weeks. And uh, if you do any research on it whatsoever, the five stages of grief postulates that those experiencing grief go through a series of five emotions. Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. 
Although commonly referenced in popular culture, studies have not empirically demonstrated the existence of these stages. The model is considered to be outdated, inaccurate, and completely unhelpful in explaining the grieving process. <laughs> well, so while I've had it mentioned to me over and over the last couple of weeks, according to current science, it is of no help whatsoever. And they, they, they nobody has ever identified that in any empirical way whatsoever that that's a truism for human beings. Hmm. How many times hmm. have you heard that? You know, I, I'm for the defense. I will speak. It obviously you're in defense of 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 the, the book and those ideas. The stages, okay? Yeah, obviously you're it not in reson- of pain. You're not defending pain. Is no, it? no, no, no. Just the an book, enjoyable I, I, part of life. I'm <laughs> good lord. No, I am coming to the defense of the book just to point out it obviously resonated with people, and they thought that sounds right to me. Which doesn't mean it's it's right, and you everybody goes through it in that order or anything like that. That sounds like something I would say. That makes perfectly good sense to me. The only way that catches on is if everybody hears that and think, "Oh yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense." By the way, uh, uh, I've got a friend who's a doctor. And he's a little older, and so the very person that came up with those stages of grief gave a lecture to him when he was a medical student. Mm. And the topic of the stages of grief came up, and somebody brought up the idea of the which one is first, or why is this second? And the and the the, the person, what is the name of the doctor? Doesn't really doctor matter. something or other Kubler Ross, as yeah, I recall, one of the two, um, said they weren't meant to be any in any order. And I made a mistake, and I presented it in such a way that people thought it were it was in a particular order. Really, but it's not in any order at all. Um, so even even the intent of the person who came up with this has been misconstrued. Um, yeah. in, in popular culture, that you go through these in order. No, it's in no order, and there's no and there, there's there's no belief that like you finish one and go to the next. You jump in and out of these at random points. Well, so the term throughout. stages is ill applied. It's more like uh, yeah. aspects of grief. Yeah, I don't know what the proper word would be, but right, yeah, stages yeah. is wrong. Yeah, because yeah. stages of life are in a certain order. Sure. Stages of a rocket are, a, yeah, so that makes sense to me. So, yeah, you'll go through any of these um, in any particular order, and then you and might back get out and, forth. and then back and forth until you don't anymore. I got to believe acceptance happens at some point, and then you stop going through those, but. Which yeah, is, although I'll bet you th- there are plenty of examples of my own life. I I think I accepted something, then I kind of unaccepted it for a while. Right. And so, had to re-accept it. None of these is um, pain so deep you can't sleep or eat or think of anything else, and that seems to be the stage I'm in right now. So, uh, Man, oh man, oh man. If only there were a faster way to do this. Now, the current science on that is that's the exact wrong thing to do. You need to just have it be what it is for however long it has to be until you get through it. But, man, when you're in it, that is sure as hell not what you want to do. That is sure as hell not what you want to do. Yeah, I can't imagine. You want to, uh, you know, well, and a lot of people do this. You distract it with something. Drugs, alcohol, sex, gambling, buying things, whatever. Right. And I'm trying not to do any of those things because I want to get this behind me. I'll never get the, you know, the kids and everything else hugged behind me. But I want to get the pain part behind behind me so I can just freaking function. Anywho, appreciate all the uh, very, very nice texts. You know what? I didn't come across one hateful text, and I went through a bunch of them. Wow. And I'm, I'm sure I'll get them. 
I'm sure I'll get them. I'll send you one now if you want. Yeah, that, you know, that would kind of be my comfort spot. It's like that first smudge on the shoes we were talking about last week. It's now you can relax. I've listened to you for years. I always wondered how she put up with you this long. You know, boy. that sort of thing. Oh, boy. That's what I expect from some of you. All right, starting again. That's what I was writing. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry if I took your idea. Anyway, that's you know, enough of that. Armstrong and Getty. Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. Mailbag is coming up in a moment or two, but remember, we changed the format. First, the right. freedom-loving quote of the day. I'm not sure I'm liking the new format. Gets its own slot. You're not? I'm not sure. I'm loving it. Where's the theme music? What's happening here? There's the fife, the drum. I have a point of order about this afterwards. But... Yeah, point of order. Yeah. I'll what? T- I take your point. Okay. I don't, what? I don't know what that means either. Your freedom-loving quote of the day this morning from George Orwell. If liberty means anything at all, it means the right to tell people what they do not want to hear. There you go. Oh, no, it's, you need a safe space. You triggered me. I, I don't want to hear that. You, you made me fearful. Wrong. Mailbag. All right, is point this, of order? Uh, now, point of order, recognizing the gentleman with the long hair and the beard over there, Radio Jesus. So it is my understanding that we moved the freedom-loving quote of the day away from the start of Mailbag to avoid doing the very serious quotes over a jaunty, jivey song. Yes. But I can't help but notice that our freedom-loving quote of the day just has a different jaunty, jivey song <laughs> underneath it. No, no, no! The, the fife and drums of the revolutionary uh, army, the, 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 the army of the Potomac, or whatever it's, the heck it was. It's not no, jaunty, but it's a little jivey. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we will uh, table the motion until further something or other. I take your point. Uh, <laughs> on to the correspondence proper from the always intriguing Paolo. Is this just the media hanging on to a good disaster until they've milked it for all its clicks? The post-COVID social dilemma talks about the difficulties of returning to normal life. A doctor and his wife, a doctor, mind you, say they're still going to move slowly when it comes to being with people again, even with everyone they know getting vaccines. And Paolo says, okay, the old animal brain is misfiring, causing irrational fear and anxiety where none is warranted. That happens a lot. The animal brain being out of step with the times. The question is, why do we accommodate it rather than telling it to shut up when it's giving bad advice? No kidding. The story doesn't even dance around the fact that vaccinated people now have little to fear from social contact. Instead, it's all about the irrational feelings. Well, I've read, uh, I've shared with you several articles of that sort. And not once will the USA Today or the New York Times or whomever, NBC News, say, on the other hand, that fear is irrational because you're fine. Or, or talk to somebody who says, you know, I wasn't really that afraid during the whole thing at all, and now I'm not afraid at all because I'm vaccinated. They're, they're not talking to those people who I think are the majority, but they do it really right. enjoy talking to the person of, I still don't think I feel would feel comfortable going to a restaurant. Okay, well, that makes you a bit of a nut if you're vaccinated. And then to get to Paolo's conclusion, which is a, a, a reminiscent of Jonah Goldberg's piece that we liked so much a week or two ago we talked about, he says, we need to respect and acknowledge feelings, not worship them. But I guess feelings, not reason, is what we're doing these days. Now that's progress, huh? Yeah, that's right. It's the worship of feelings over logic. Uh, moving along. Uh, one of the aspects of the negative things that happened because of all that extra unemployment money, the extra $300, writes Alvin, 
that nobody's talking about is when you look at your pay stub when you're working, there are many withholdings. One is for unemployment insurance. Another goes into the Social Security lockbox. <laughs> so now when one is not working, there are no contributions made into those funds. In fact, money's being taken out, draining those funds. So when this person is being paid not to work, that person is draining those funds and the extra contribution they'd be making is even more. It's an outrage. That's true. Taxpayers are getting it on both ends by paying someone not to work. Crazy. Uh, he says it'd be useful to bring it up, see if some think tank could estimate the numbers based on the people who will not take old jobs, etc. The the uh, total effect. Uh, Al Aileen Anonymous writes, my cousin made over $40,000 last year on unemployment. He's a handyman, so he also did projects for friends and family, charging 40 bucks an hour under the table. They had a fantastic year financially. Hmm. Unemployed. Wow. Then final comment. Todd, uh, who lives in the area of that, the, the Sacramento area where that high school uh, removed a teacher for having a Nazi flag when he was teaching Nazi propaganda and symbols. Uh, during a TV interview, that spokes lady we talked to said, there's systemic racism, not just in our district, but, you know, in every organization. That's exactly what she said, verbatim, on air. Obviously, she's a little prejudiced to make such a generalized blanket statement. What's that have to do? Okay, that's a good, interesting topic we could discuss. What's that have to do with using a Nazi flag to teach symbolism in a class? Well, remember that critical theory from its beginning is it's a tool. It's not a philosophy. It's a tool to tear everything down. You find anything, no matter how picky or ridiculous, and say it's problematic and cancel it. It's a way to seize power. Armstrong and Getty. Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. Some governors around the country are having their powers curtailed coming out of the pandemic as legislatures or just people in general are uh, deciding, yeah, you got a little too, uh, you were smelling yourself there. We got to make sure next time around you don't have the power to do this for so long. We'll have the details on that in a second. Well, yeah, and that is uh, what could be more apropos in the... uh... You know, coming in the wake of what we're about to do, which uh, is everybody ready? It's been a while since this, this is not an annual award. This is not a monthly award. This is given only when it is deserved. It's like the Eagle Scout Award, really, for uh, for the Boy Scouts. It's a Gavi Award. Live from downtown Los Angeles, the Kodak Theater. We're not there. We can't afford it. It's that, the Gavi Award. That's actually the best way to do an award is just when it's needed. Like, there should be a Nobel Prize for literature eh, whenever there's one needed. You don't have to give one out every year. How'd you like that book? It was pretty good. Eh. The Oscar should say, you know, there's nothing that rises to the level of an Oscar-winning best picture this year. So Good, but not great. We'll wait till next year. We're skipping it. Nobody noticed anyway in the case of the Oscars, but this is the Gabby Award for governmental hypocrisy in the time of COVID. Uh, We're all human. We... All fall short sometimes. And what could be more exciting, Jack, than our first ever, I think, maybe, other than Gavin Newsom, second-time Gabby Award winner? Who else but the queen of lockdowns, Governor Gretchen Whitmer of Michigan. She apologized Sunday after apparently violating state-mandated social distancing guidelines that she herself has mandated as one of the shut-downiest states in the Union, which apparently hasn't done Michigan any good compared to the other states. Now, keeping in mind that the lovely governor rules for thee, not for me, 
waited weeks to disclose details of a private jet trip she took to visit her father in Florida, and two of her top aides headed south during spring break, even though she had told Michiganders, you shouldn't be traveling. The same Governor Whitmer, who when she announced stay at home, her husband went with his boat to a lake in Upper Michigan and insisted on being allowed to launch it or some such nonsense. Well, you should stay at home. You don't know what you're doing. You're a regular person. I'm the super powerful government class. We know better. We're different kind of people. Silence, plebeians. Exactly. So a photo was widely circulated this week on social media of Whitmer with a large group of unmasked people at an East Lansing bar restaurant. Specifically, the Land Shark Bar and Grill. I'm sure good times are had there. Land Shark. Candy Graham. And so she's sitting there with about a dozen people at at least three tables. It's hard to see. Three tables had been shoved together, as is the fashion when you have a big party. And a dozen or so people are partying and whooping and hollering and drinking and eating and the rest of it. Uh, Only problem is, her own rules... Say Michigan restaurants and bars are subject to capacity limits, six people or fewer at tables, distances of six people between tables, even though that's no longer supported by any uh, any science. Well, the governor busted and made the following statement. Feel free to pepper this with Gavin Newsom as much as you want, Michael. Throughout the pandemic, I've been committed to following public health protocols, she said. We could stop right there. No, you haven't, you lying hypocrite. You lying creep. Yesterday, I went with friends to a local restaurant. As more people arrived, the tables were pushed together. Because we were all vaccinated, we didn't stop to think about it. In retrospect, I should have thought about it. You know, I am, you I am need, human. You didn't need to think about anything, really. I mean, your, your, your rules, you see, you're being a hypocrite and all that. But in terms of like a bunch of you vaxxed eating, rest, eating a restaurant, there's nothing we to think about. We had an early dinner. There's nothing to think about. <laughs> Sit on each other's laps and eat away. We don't care. Tongue kiss everybody at the table. It's gross, but it's got nothing to do with the COVID. In retrospect, I should have thought about it. I am human. I made a mistake, and I apologize. Uh, we're all human. We all fall short sometimes. Unfreaking believable. You know, it's funny. I am reminded, Jack, you remind me of uh, what Tom McClintock said, the congressman from Northern California, after Gavin Mussolini got busted for his infamous dinner at uh, Napa Valley. We um, had an early dinner. Yes, yes, it was an early dinner, <laughs> sir. That's correct. That, you know, and that I had forgotten about. It that. makes perfectly good sense that you would point that out. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it was but, an early dinner. Why did you tell me that? But it's McClint- rather preposterous, isn't it? As McClintock uh, himself said, I'm glad to hear that he's disregarding his own idiotic mandates. Yeah, and and you could make that defense of Governor Whitmer, but that's unfreaking believable. The gal who's the queen of lockdowns out with friends then says, well, we didn't think about it because we're vaccinated. I should have thought about it. What what a piach. Oh, what a monster. And a richly deserved Gavi Award. Congratulations, Governor Whitmer, you elephantine hypocrite. And this is radio, so you can't see it, but I'm actually holding the statuette which is a gold bust of Gavin Newsom, who had an early dinner. This is what you get. Governor Whitner, this is yours. Put it on your mantelpiece. And I believe the inscription on the trophy is actually the, uh, we're all human, we all fall short sometimes. Yes. Yeah, it's yeah. beautifully done. It's, uh, it's, it's rather preposterous, print. isn't it? <laughs> where was I this weekend? A couple different places where it was... Oh, my God, that was wild. A couple oh, of, stinger. Sup, a couple of places I was where it was so slow because they were doing all these this wiping down in between customers. Ugh. 
You don't, you don't need to do that. They've known it's not being spread on surfaces for a freaking year. Where was I where they were doing that? Every customer, before you'd walk up there, is just like, hold on. They'd give you the hold on sign, and then they walk around the bottle. There was one person that had the job. Their only job appeared to be was squirt, it, squirt, squirt, wipe, 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 squirt, squirt, squirt. Was it Target where they do the checkouts? and? No, they do that at Target, but it was okay. a different place. But anyway, they, they wipe down after every transaction at the Target? At, uh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. Huh. A lot of places still doing that. When I went to the Petco, they still wipe off the credit card thing, stuff before the next customer comes up. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say. We're not capable of governing ourselves. Uh, before I get to uh, repealing some of the governor's rules, I want to tease this. Um, there's a, quite a, a dust-up about a Florida high school where they were photoshopping cleavage out of yearbook photos. Yeah. Unbeknownst to parents, which is good. One parent was angry. I want my daughter to have more cleavage in the yearbook photo. But Teat. It's, it's kind of weird that they were doing it. But anyway. My daughter's got a nice pair of boobs on her, and it's unfair to you. Wow. Dead airbrush them away. That's some uncomfortable Frank talk right there. <laughs> well, that's, um, that's what they're expressing, Jack. I'm, I speak for the common man. Oh, and then I've got this question. It's a grammatical question, so we'll go to you. Okay, grammar Nazi. Is it Benefer R or Benefer is? Uh, that would be Benefer is. That's You're what I thought. You're referring to the couple as a unit. That's what, that's what I thought. Even yeah. though, it, yeah, okay. Benefer is back. They're no longer hiding it. Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez out, out and about together, holding hands, smooching in public over the weekend. So Benifer is back. You know, a clicking, uh, a ticking clock, rather, not a clicking talk. Uh, a ticking clock would be appropriate now for a couple of reasons. Number one, I give that about 10 minutes to blow up again, that relationship. Mm. And secondly, 60 minutes. I didn't see it, but I read some transcripts that included a number of, of quotes and interviews with young people who had begun their transgender transition and then regretted it and realized this is a mistake. This is terrible. I'm, I'm more miserable. I'm being rushed. What's going on here? And I don't know the overall tone of the report because like I said, I didn't see it last night. I watched golf instead. Um, and had a social engagement with, you know, people and talking and such. Uh, but we're going to play you some of the clips from 60 Minutes. I'm surprised they aired what they aired. Okay. I skipped that story. So uh, that coming up this hour also. The pandemic is ebbing, says the Wall Street Journal. But what about governor's emergency powers? I found this interesting. Nearly 14 months after a number of governors shut down their states, with states moving to reopen amid a drastic drop in new cases, legislators have been asking about the current need for restrictions and just how much sweeping authority governors need to have during a public health emergency. Voters, Good. voters in Pennsylvania this week became the first in the United States to help check an executive's authority during an emergency period. The state's Democratic governor, Tom Wolf, and its Republican-controlled legislature sparred over Mr. Wolf's emergency actions, which included closing schools and many businesses during the pandemic. Two measures passed on Tuesday in Pennsylvania, both with about 54% approval. The state's constitution will be amended to end a governor's emergency disaster declaration after 21 days, and lawmakers with a simple majority will be given the only authority to extend or end the emergency to disaster declaration. That's great. And well done, PA. There's about four or five states that are currently looking at this across the United States, and I wish it would catch on. Yeah, sure. The governor has, as we all learned last year, and none of us knew. I certainly didn't know. Governors have unbelievable power 
during an emergency like this. But it mm. should be short. It should be, yeah, for 21 days you can do this, and then at 21 days we're going to take a look at it and decide whether or not you can continue or not. I think that's fantastic. And I know sometimes some of y'all think when we're talking about guarding your liberty and and fighting against government overreach and the rest of it, you think, ah, listen to that libertarian paranoia, blah, blah, blah. We'll be fine. There are rules. But in the state of uh, California, for instance, the governor held on to emergency powers, still holding on to emergency powers, and counties, citing the very words in the California Constitution, were pointing out there is no emergency. There's a definition of it. We don't have one. Stop it. And it's still working its way through the courts. Oh, yeah, and there's tons of kids in California that still don't get to go to school for no reason whatsoever. Right. No reason whatsoever. Just the greed and evil of the iron-fisted teachers' unions. So rapidly, just charging around the final turn at the Kentucky Derby of evil. Armstrong and Getty. Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. Lieutenant Graves told us pilots training off the Atlantic coast see things like that all the time. Every day. Every day for at least a couple of years. Um, wait, wait a minute, every day for a couple of years? Mm-hmm. Yes, that's the UFO segment from 60 Minutes on Sunday night. I watched it with my 11-year-old son. Who is more into a segment <laughs> about UFOs than an 11-year-old boy? And when I was his age, I would have just, oh, my God, this is the greatest thing ever. Yeah, yeah, that, which is great. And that was my criticism yesterday of the 60 Minutes piece. It seemed to be kind of aimed at 11-year-old boys, even as it was talking about some really interesting stuff. They just kept hunting it, hunting it. but UFOs? The government <laughs> believes in UFOs? Well, that, that, as if, obviously, a UFO means a Martian bent on probing us and then taking over the planet. Well, that 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 part seems silly to me. The, the, everybody having to say, I know, UFOs. I, I, I never thought I'd believe in, okay. I've always believed in the fact that something flying through the air could be unidentified at the moment, which would make it an unidentified flying object. Exactly. But um, uh, what's your takeaway on what the hell this stuff is? I mean, you got some of the the best and brightest people in the world, some of these these Top Gun pilots, saying, "I have no idea what it was. I see it all the time." I have a moral dilemma. Okay. We got an email from a fella who said, I really prefer that you not use this on the air because, and this is probably crazy, but I don't want to tip anybody off. I will just tell you this, that there are... I might be able to set this up with this. The 60 Minutes piece, the 60 Minutes piece talked about it being possibly some sort of weapon that other countries have that we don't have, or it's ours. We could even have it, and we haven't let everybody else know it. There was one guy on the 60 Minutes piece, though, who claimed he was in the know, although his sunglasses and his jacket had the look of a crack um, <laughs> The jacket of the crack The pot. jacket of the crackpot. He said, I'm in a position to know if it's one of ours, and it's not ours. But Which is exactly know. what a person in a position to know would tell 60 Minutes. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, Ex- now... I would, absolutely. No, we don't have that capability. If you didn't, you'd be a bad American. You know what? Now's a good time to play clip number 51 before I get to my point, Sean. You know how this sounds. It sounds nutty, wacky. Look, Bill, I'm not not telling you that, that it doesn't sound wacky. What I'm telling you, it's real. Imagine a technology that can do 
six to seven hundred G forces that can fly at thirteen thousand miles an hour, that uh, it can evade radar, and that can fly through air and water and possibly space and oh by the way has no obvious signs of propulsions no wings no control surfaces and yet still can defy the natural effects of earth's gravity that's precisely what we're seeing well, i don't i don't think i will hasten the chinese invasion by saying that thing that the sensors picked up might not exist in reality it might not have atoms okay it's something that you can that you can put there that will show up on a radar but doesn't actually exist that sort of thing um at least in some cases and there might be three or four different phenomena that we're talking about all these different sightings but virtually all of them were instrument sightings they were not look at what i'm looking at they were on the screen. Good point. Um, are you well, so Senator Marco Rubio of Florida is he was on the 60 Minutes piece and he says the United States should take the threat of UFOs seriously and we need to start looking into this and, you know, devoting resources to figuring it out anything that enters an airspace that's not supposed to be there is a threat. Marco Rubio said, and we need to nail down what that stuff, this stuff is. I would agree. I of course, hope, that's self-evident. I, I hope the people at the highest levels in our government aren't treating it like 60 Minutes. Wait a second. UFOs? Now you sound like a crackpot. <laughs> so, that's funny. Uh, I don't react that way at all. I th- Well, uh, are, are you spending any time thinking about this being a spaceship from another world? No. No, me neither. So no. I immediately just go to, well, it's either something we've developed that we haven't they haven't told us about like the SR71 we developed that 70 years ago a plane that wasn't it wasn't known that we had it until what 20 30 years ago half a century the world didn't know including americans didn't know we had this freaking plane good um yeah and good uh so i i hope it's us it'd be horrifying to find out that it's china or russia or somebody that's got this kind of technology and we don't have it but let's mm-hmm. let's talk about it like grown-ups for crying out loud but ufo <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, uh, this is one of those where I have a feeling I will never know the answer to this question, and probably for reasonably good uh, reasons. And, and again, we might be talking about three different things. We might be talking about one technology that's ours, that uh, it's top secret, and a couple of fighter pilots spotted it. One might be some sort of Chinese incursion into our airspace, and we need to figure out what it is. And the third one is some sort of technical trickery that we're trying out to mess with other people. And we're not going to try it on the Chinese to make sure it works. We're going to try it on our own guys. And the fourth one could be a Martian. Tell you what, it's just sensible to carry lube with you in case they want to probe you. So it's you, much more comfortable. So you're thinking that uh, it could be something that we 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 put on radars so that it'll make the news and pilots will talk about it, and we hope the Chinese see it. That we hope the Chinese see that sixty minutes. I guarantee you they did. Yeah. Uh, the Chinese military watched that sixty minutes and said, "Holy crap, we know it's not us." So who is it? Well, yeah, but the Chinese, I don't think, could. Well, I don't know. Maybe they could. I'm not a Chinese scientist. I'm not sure if they could leap to the conclusion that, okay, they've got some sort of messes with the sensors technology. They might just think they have some sort of craft that can move incredibly quickly. Well, yeah, that's blah, blah, blah. what I meant. I we want yeah. we want the Chinese to think, to look at the 60 Minutes and think, well, we don't have that, so the United States must have some sort of aircraft. 
Yeah, I, I also think it's entirely possible that we test it out on our pilots and don't expect them to go to 60 minutes and that there may be somebody who's a little frustrated that that's happening. Well, this one particular woman didn't. She's had this information for uh, four years, she said. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, for four years, she kept this a secret. And it wasn't until this guy, he got it through legal means, did he not? The the really big guy? Uh, uh, yeah. With the, yeah, with the jacket of the lunatic. <laughs> um, the jacket of the crackpot. Here at Crackpot Fashions, we proudly outfit lunatics. Isn't it, isn't it interesting to think that even with our top guys, I mean, and women, the you know, your top gun people and uh, the people that are their bosses and all that sort of stuff. I mean, here, that's the, the highest level of U.S. defense. There's still another secret level above them that could be flying craft around to, and testing them. Out. We've got the best defenses in the world, so why wouldn't you want to test this stuff on us? Sure. To see if we can pick it up or stop it. Oh, yeah, it absolutely. Some fighter pilot picks up like a, a Doberman uh, pincher walking on the clouds at 30,000 feet and reports it. There's somebody at DARPA who says, perfect, it worked. You know, or, or, or sees a box zooming through the sky at 17,000 miles per hour or whatever. There's somebody at DARPA who said, yep, we, uh, we went ahead and achieved Mach 4. I sure yeah. as hell hope it's us and not the Chinese or Russians. I hope we're I hope we're the ones with the super fantastic technology. Armstrong and Getty.